0: Cool. And is it all Galatians, or just uh, Galatians six, or just six through? Okay, that's what I thought. Just want to <laughs> So we're going to read Galatians six one through ten. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you to be tempted. Bear one another's bur- burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work and then and then his reason. To boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows that will be also reaped. For the one who sows on his own flesh will will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows in the spirit will form the spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good for everyone and especially to those who, who are of the household of faith.
1: Please. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you that we have given this opportunity to be in your presence today. I pray that you open our hearts and minds to the message. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: <coughs> Morning, church. Morning, guests. Uh, those of you that have not been with us before, glad you're here. Um, before I get into the teaching this morning, I'm going to invite David and uh, Melissa's joining you right? Is she joining you today? or no. She can uh, you, if you want to, you don't have to. Uh, but David's going to come up and give us a quick update. Some of you guys know uh, David, you may not know Melissa and uh, she has a sunburn <laughs> from SeaWorld. Yeah, yeah. but uh, so she's not embarrassed. This is just how she is from the s- SeaWorld. But I'm making her feel that way. Um, so David's going to give us a quick update about what they've been doing. Some of you guys have been praying for David. Um, and as he has lived out the song we just sang, uh, Come and Move, we say yes. Uh, he has said yes. And they've been spending some time in Boston, in uh, YWAM Boston, doing work there. And so David, why don't you give us an update on what God's put on your heart this morning. Yeah. Hey, guys. Nice to see you again. Um,
1: yeah. Okay, let me introduce Melissa first. This is my fiance. We get married <laughs> in about a month and a half, um, October eighth. She's from Tampa, Florida. You know, so she's used to the the sunburn. Nothing new, <laughs> um, but yeah. And uh, both of us to kind of update you guys. We serve at YW Boston right now. It's a nonprofit organization. Um, missionaries sending out. We are part of the DTS, the Discipleship School, and we finished one. Um, some of you guys remember, remember there was a big old thing here and. There was a play at one point, and we led worship for you guys. um, So we did that all across the US, preaching the gospel, um, and our heart is to redeem the arts back to Jesus. Um, It was an awesome moment to be able to do that across the US. Um, And yeah, and then we also are part of uh, pioneering the youth ministry. um, And we do this program with our youth ministry called Joshua Generation, and I believe Leaf and Emory, I don't know if they're here, but um, they, they went, they were part of it, and it was awesome so you want to kind of tell them about it?
3: Oh, okay. (laughs) 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 All right. Hi, guys. Um, Yeah, Joshua Generation. uh, The heart behind it was started because there's a lot of youth camps that happen during the summer, and um, the lady who had the vision for it, she felt it so strong in her heart that we were giving opportunity to these students to come and have a great time, but kind of were missing the opportunity to also give them training on what it looks like to live missionally, to love, like, their family members to preach the gospel to the students in their school so she created this summer program where it's a week of training and camp and games and then there's a week of outreach so they're sent out and they're actually taught how to preach the gospel because it's one thing to say you're supposed to preach the gospel but it's another thing to kind of learn how to do it so yeah we got to be a part of running that this year it's a huge uh, job (laughs) to take on it takes a lot of planning but it was really cool to see kind of the fruit of it and what the lord did that time, so yeah, love you, Leaf and Emery. <laughs>
1: uh, it was a cool opportunity to be a part of, it was a huge blessing, um, just to pour into those kids at that age. I know for me, um, Aaron, Alex, Dusty, and Harley, if you know those guys, you know that they really poured a lot into the youth ministry. And now I believe it's the Berry Hill boys and John and uh, all those guys, and uh, it's such a vulnerable time uh, to pour into the youth at that time, and uh I think the biggest blessing for me is being able to like pour back into them, uh, to the next generation. Um, so yeah, that's what we've been up to. Um, we're getting married. I'm so excited for that. And yeah, thank you guys so much.
2: Um, and just, just a note on the Joshua generation. So because two of our kids actually participated, one, they were blessed by the leadership of these two. Uh, through that week in well two weeks and uh, there were over 1600 people who came to know Jesus through that that this year <laughs> it's incredible <laughs> yeah so uh, so incredible to see that God was working powerfully through those teenagers and uh, we just genuinely believe like we say all the time like teenagers are not the church of the tomorrow Of tomorrow, they're the church of today and they're already participating in the work God has and so um, we just want to stop right now and I'm going to invite you to pray over these two one is they prepare for marriage uh, but just a life of ministry, a partnership, we got to have them at our table uh, this week and just sit down and just get to to hear some of their hearts. And we're just, man, we're so encouraged by what God's doing in them. And just to see this guy continue to grow, um, as we saw him when he was just a rug rat running around here, uh, really didn't care about Jesus <laughs> at all. And now here he is, like, passionate about Jesus' name and taking it to the world. So excited. So let's pray for them right now. Father, thank you so much for the grace that you pour out in our lives. Thank you that you... Um, you just keep pursuing us you keep chasing after us and that god you just use us in the pursuit of others uh, thank you father that you've been working in david and uh and melissa and and god just using them to invest in the next generation this summer and doing all this work to uh to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples like you said we're we're called to do jesus and so i pray that you would continue to bless them you'd strengthen them you'd encourage them i also just pray that you continue to provide for them uh, just they they're they're out there walking by faith and they're trusting you for your provision. And we know you're going to meet them in that, and I pray as a church we can also just be a part of providing for them um, as as your hands and feet here. Uh, we just pray we support them in prayer and financially, and uh, just yeah, are excited about what you're going to continue to do as they go out. So um, just bless them, Father, overwhelm them with your love, overwhelm with your presence and your power. Let we pray to your name, Jesus. Amen. So just so you guys know, um, as I prayed, I'm going to say this out loud. If you would like to talk to them about how you can partner with them, we invite that. We want that. I know they would appreciate that. Um, Living in Boston, uh, if you can believe it, is actually more expensive than even living in Austin. Um, And so to live in an apartment there and to just do life there, it's costly. And they live very, very lean, uh, very lean, okay? Um, but So they're not looking to get rich. They're doing ministry for the glory of God. But if you want to support them, we highly encourage you to, to talk to them about it. Um, I know our family, I, I don't say this to brag, but we, we support you guys. It's not a lot, but we support you guys because we believe in them. And I encourage you guys to do the same as you feel God's spirit prompting you. So, all right, we love you guys. So thankful. Thanks for sharing. I get excited about, um, you know, just watching as this body grows and matures. Uh, it's, it's not, we aren't, we aren't here trying to hoard people and hold people in. The goal of the church is when it's healthy, it's, it's continually sending people out. And so just want to give you a heads up that next Sunday, August 28th, we're going to have a little bit of an update on vision of our church body, kind of where we are, where we're going, uh, what we sense from the elders' uh, time away on our retreat. Not long ago, as well as just some ideas about what we sense God is saying to us. And just as a, a, a precursor to that, to encourage, as I said, with both of what David and them are doing as, as really members of our body who have gone out. Um, I've been praying with uh, a group of ladies for a while now in our, in our city. It might sound kind of odd, but uh, they just have a heart for Austin and they have a heart for us in this church family. And I got to pray with them this past week, and uh, just some of the things they shared with me that God was saying to them about our congregation, I want to share some of those things with you next week. And uh, it was just really encouraging to hear um, as we were praying, like, what this year seems to be a theme of, like, just growing and expanding and increase, and specifically fruit of salvation uh, in the area. And so that's what we're really praying for, is more people to come to know Jesus, not to just come to point or come to our church stuff. But to know Jesus, like that's what we're praying for. And so um, I'm excited to share some of what God's been putting in our hearts for that. And uh, even some of the things the ladies um, shared as they were praying with me. So we are um, getting really close to wrapping up Galatians. The plan had been to finish today, but last week we had to kind of stop and settle in a little bit um, around a passage that we talked. I hope it resonated with you. I felt like a lot of my conversations with you guys afterwards were like, man, that was really helpful. And I don't want to reteach that by any means today, but it is the foundation through which we look at the passage today because it's in the context. And so uh, we talked about how Paul mentioned to the people in Galatia, the church there, he said, hey, listen, don't be conceited, provoking and envying one another, okay? Um, And we talked about what that means and that to be conceited means to basically live like a glory vacuum uh, where all you do is think about yourself and how you can consume uh, the approval and and glory and worth from other people around you and that's how you kind of gain your uh, security and significance in your life is by getting other people to approve of you and when you walk in that kind of way of life um it's exhausting uh no one really wants to be around you <laughs> um, because you just you hear oh here comes that person uh you know um, and I've been that person, so I'm not saying that as like, oh, man, I know those kind of people. I've been one of those people, okay? I've been one of those people who needed everybody to build me up and to speak, you know, that they approved of me and liked me. And that is that is a that is a really difficult place to be. But when you are in that place, there's two primary activities that flow out of that. One is you look down on everybody because you um, you have this, like, idea that, know I'm above everybody and that just makes you feel like you have worth by saying I'm better than people okay so that's the provoking piece uh, and then there's the envying piece where you look up at everybody and you're just like woe is me I'm terrible and everything's just doom and gloom because you're not receiving your value from God you're receiving it from comparing yourself to other people and so when you compare yourself with other people and if that's the, the sort of the, the way that you attain or ascertain your value um, you're just in a perpetual cycle of, of struggle, disappointment, discouragement, depression, even, uh, because you are you are kind you are you're basically sucking being sucked into uh, the fleshly way of trying to gain your value outside of God, and and so we talked about that we talked about how we have to derive our value from God. Now, what's beautiful is that as we do settle in Christ, as we realize our identity in Christ is secure not based on our performance, but on what Christ has done for us, then we don't have to compare ourselves to other people and compete with other people, right? We can actually minister to other people. And the body, the church, God's people, God's spiritual family, ought to be an incredible place of ministry. And as Landon already kind of led us a while ago, and just simply saying, listen, we're not just here to be ministered to, we're also here to minister. There are some weeks you walk in and you don't have anything to give, there's nothing in the tank, there's nothing to, you know, like, I don't have anything, God. Um, and, and that's okay, but we all contribute to the body and we build the body up. And when we were, the only way I have anything to give to anyone else around me is from first receiving it from God. Okay. And, and so again, as we think about this idea of ministry, um, we have to look up before we look out. If that makes sense. We have to look up and say, God, I need you because, In myself I don't have anything (laughs) to give and as he fills us he's always filling us not just for our own benefit but for the benefit of others even as Leif started us with that Psalm today and saying you know here's a Psalm God put in my heart and God wanted me to speak it out to you guys today and I felt encouraged and uplifted by that right I hope you did too so in the text from Galatians 6 1 through 5 um, I hate to disappoint you again but we're not gonna get all the way through verse 10 Um, But we are going to wrap up Galatians in September. Uh, We are going to make it. But here's what what I notice. Uh, We're just going to kind of break this down. He gives us two primary ways that we can minister to one another when we are walking in a healthy place with God. When we're secure in Christ, when we are not conceited and just simply sucking up the glory to make sure that we matter, but when we are actually thinking about others, we are lifting our eyes then we have these two primary ways that we get to minister. And we see these in the life of Jesus, by the way. Uh, And and some people would would summarize them by the ministry of truth and the ministry of tears. Maybe that's an easy way to remember it, okay? The way I'm going to say it today is that we get to bring truth into each other's lives. So we build each other up with truth. But we also, we get to bear each other's burdens, now, that one may make us a little bit nervous. I, I mean, some of you actually, maybe you lean one way or the other, right? Some of you are like, I'll, I'll help people all day long. Just don't make me tell them hard things. <laughs> Others of you are like, you really like to tell people hard things, but you don't want to have to get into their mess and deal with their stuff, right? And so that's, that's part of even the way in the body we see different gifts that come out. We see the different leanings that we have. But we have this, uh, I don't want to just say obligation, but an opportunity, to actually minister to one another, a responsibility to one another, to help each other grow, and to 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 really um, to thrive in the Christian life. Because I don't know if you guys know this, but the Christian life is a team sport. Okay, so it's not a sport where you go, okay, it's just me. I go do my thing. That's not you. Actually, get saved by grace through faith into a family, into a community, and so it's really cool. Is because we get to we get to participate in our Christian family. Uh, we, we, our Christian walk is it's it, it is personal, no doubt, right? I hope every single one of you who follow Jesus, who proclaim Jesus, say, "I have a personal relationship with Jesus." But guess what? Your relationship is personal, but it's not private, okay? Because it's designed to be in community, and that's really key. And I know that if I see Christians that are saying, "I love Jesus, but I'm not going to be involved in community with others," they are stunted. They're not going to grow. And I would even go further to say, there's something going on at the heart level that God wants to deal with because um, that's something that God wants to set us free from—is this fear of getting connected to people or going deeper with people or getting engaged um, at that level. And that's a whole other conversation, a whole other sermon. Okay, but here we are. Paul starts out by writing here. He says, "Brothers." So remember, he's writing to the people that are in the church at Galatia who are believers. Okay, he's writing to the church. He's writing to Christians, and as We would, as such, he calls them brothers. Why? Because it's a familial thing. The church is familial. So if you guys have been around here very long, we say we're the Point family. Um, And we use that language appropriately because if you're in Christ, you are a son or a daughter of God. So we have a heavenly father, right? And we've talked about this a number of times, but one of the most profound things that Jesus ever said his entire ministry life was when his disciples asked him, how should we pray? It was the most profound, most amazing, most mind-blowing thing. We kind of take it for granted, but what did Jesus say? How did he start his prayer? Our Father. They had never heard that before. Some of them actually thought he was being blasphemous when he said that, right? We were like, well, that's just what you say. But literally, that was so earth-shaking to them because till that point, he was just this God. He was Yahweh. They wouldn't even say his name. They would breathe it out, right? But now, all of a sudden, he's saying you can call him Father because we had this fatherly relationship with him he is our father and we are brothers and sisters and Paul says brothers again this familial instruction um I want to make a note here um, because this instruction is to the church and even what he's about to say about bringing truth or bearing burdens is about how the church interacts okay and this is particularly important on the truth piece because what Paul's going to ask them to do and encourage them to do is something that we shouldn't do with unbelievers as a general rule, okay? What I mean by that is he's going to ask them in a second about to, to confront sin. Um, this is, it, it's, it's typically, put it this way, it's typically not good for believers to confront unbelievers' sin. Now, I know some of you guys are like, wait a minute, wait a minute, that's not, how, how is that? Let me explain why. Um, And I say typically because there is a place where we need to deal with justice and we need to protect the weak and we need to address things. But here's what happens when the church turns into the moral police. And I use that language because I've seen it, right? Is we then teach the world that in order to follow Jesus, it's a behavior modification. That actually what people need is right behavior, not the receiving of a relationship with Jesus. And when the church goes around telling unbelievers how to act, what we're doing is actually proclaiming a different gospel. Maybe not intentionally, but that's actually what comes out. Does that make sense? You still with me? So I, I think most of us get that, but our goal, our, what we lead with as Christians in the culture is not, hey, you need to stop doing this. You should stop doing that. You should stop doing that. You should stop doing that. My job isn't to get everyone to behave rightly. My job is to help them see Jesus rightly. That's the number one task of, of a Christ follower: is not to do behavior control, but to call people to see Jesus. Um, here's what I've learned, and this is true in my life because a lot of, growing up in church, I was already in the Christian culture. This is just a side to this, but I was in the Christian culture from you know nine months before I was born. Okay. I was in the Christian culture. I was hearing things about what I was supposed to do and what I was not supposed to do. And the motivation to do the right thing was mostly social, communal, right? But here's here's the the, the beautiful thing about the Christian faith. When we meet Jesus and we see him rightly, we want to surrender and submit our lives to him. And so when he becomes central to our life, when he becomes front and center in our lives, in our hearts. What I can tell you is that every area of your life will be impacted. It will be affected. And so, yes, we live in a culture that's jacked up and there's a lot of things going on in this world, but when people encounter Jesus, it's not a question of, do I have to stop doing this to become a Christian? That's the wrong question. The question is, is have we seen Jesus? And when you start to see Jesus and you start to understand who he is, then those things actually start to find their place. So we don't lead with behavior modification, okay? Got it? Okay, I think this would help the church a lot (laughs) if we would stop trying to police the culture because that's not what Jesus gave, that's not the job description he gave us. Now, that being said, Jesus did tell us that inside the church we are to hold each other accountable. We are to help each other. Now, he gave us some specific instructions on this, and I want you to, To note this, okay? He says, if someone is caught in wrongdoing, how do you know if someone's caught? Because he's not saying you should approach everybody. Every sin you see, it's like, okay, they're sinning. I got to go talk to them. Oh, they're sinning. I got to go talk to them. I mean, I would actually say you have a problem if that's the way you are viewing all your relationships in the church is your job is now inside the church to just go see Oh, they're sinning. I got to go talk to them. That's not what, what Paul's writing here. That's not what Jesus' intent is. He says, if they are caught In any wrongdoing well how do you know if you're caught I would say someone is caught There's just two simple ways someone is caught when it's a pattern when it's a repeated pattern when it's it's habitual like it's not like they just you know did something like they got angry or they showed some some sign of jealousy or maybe they said something like we all sin amen (laughs) like we all sin we all fall short of the glory of God we even Christians are still gonna blow it sometimes okay And my job isn't, oh, you just did it. Oh, I'm going to, you know, bring the hammer. Okay? That's not what he's talking about. But if you have someone who consistently, let's say in the area of gossip, because it happens a lot in church, right? Especially in the name of prayer requests. I got a prayer request for you. Did you know that da-da-da-da-da? He's like, (laughs) come on now. Like, you're just gossiping. All right? That's just called gossip, right? So let's call it what it is. But if you see patterns, then, of course, we need to address that. What about this? The other way you know you're caught is when you're blind to it, when you don't know, you don't see it. Now, I would argue to you that this is a big reason why Christian community is such a blessing and a gift. It's painful sometimes, but it is such a blessing and such a gift because I see myself a whole lot more righteous than reality. I, I, I think I see, and I think you do too, we tend to see ourselves a whole lot more right than we truly are. And we see other people a whole lot more wrong than they truly are, right? Because it's easy to see it in other people. But the beauty of Christian community is we actually get to see each other's stuff. And because we're free in Christ and because we're forgiven in Christ and because it doesn't change our status and our righteousness before God, we actually can address that stuff. But when someone is in a spot where they're blind to it, then that's like God may be nudging you to step in and say something. Like, I'm not sure you see this, but the way that you talk to your wife when we're having conversations, it's dishonoring her, and I want to encourage you as a brother in Christ. Like, would you ask the Lord to show you, like, how to treat her kindly? Like, I'm, that's a very real example right there. Okay, I've seen that a lot. Or, hey, you you seem to be really um, passionate and excited about your hobby, and that seems to be the only thing you talk about. <laughs> what? Let's, let's, what, what do you think that is? What, why is that? What is that being, you know, going? On? So, so, again, we can, we can get into some of these different areas, and we can talk about it, but, but he says if someone is caught in sin, in any wrongdoing, okay? And it has to be sin, not just my personality and your personality don't jive, and so you need to change the way you're doing stuff. Like, that's not what he's talking about. This isn't personality conflict, right? This is sin. What is sinful? And this is even more clearly as you go through it because he says, the next thing he says is, you who are spiritual. Now, this is where some people in the church go, oh, okay, great. That means the pastors, the elders, the leaders, the spiritual leaders, those who are really spiritual. Those people are, this is is not for everybody. This is just for the people who are super spiritual. Okay, let me just debunk that, right? That means whoever has the Holy Spirit in you. Okay, that means all the people of God who have the Holy Spirit in them, you're spiritual. Okay? So the instruction is to the entire church, not just to the leaders, not just to the elite few, if you want to call it that. But it's to it's to the, the people of God, the family of God, not just these experts in the law or whatever it might be. And then he says, you should restore such a person with a gentle spirit. You should restore such a person with a gentle spirit. Now, there's a lot there they could talk about. In fact... My brain starts to like flip through these pages of, of images of where I saw this not being done correctly. Um, and I can think of a few where it was done correctly, but I can think of a lot of them where it wasn't done correctly. But this word restore, this is a key piece here. He's not saying in this, restore them to you. He says, restore them. And the reason why that's important is because usually the situations where we're most likely to speak up is when we've personally been offended by that person, right? Agreed? No? <laughs> yes? So when we're offended by somebody, I'm more likely to go, hey, stop doing that. It hurts me. You're offending me. Can I just give you a, a nugget of wisdom? You're rarely the right person to have that conversation with them in full without someone else. The Bible actually, instruction-wise, gives us a lot of input About how to handle conflict and sin and you know that it does tell us that generally when we have an offense between one or the other like there's a process Matthew 18 even kind of gives us a little bit of a a journey through hey go to them you know address it but be prepared you probably have to take somebody with you and I've seen this be the case through the years and I don't want to belabor this point but if you're the personal you're the one who is is most offended um first off Know that ultimately God is the most offended party when we sin. It's not you. So the goal isn't to restore just your relationship, but their relationship with God. That's the goal. And that as you are offended, that sometimes you need to bring a brother or sister along who is a neutral party, or even maybe invite them into the process, so that it's not just you versus them when you're dealing with some of these things. Okay? Okay. so much practical wisdom in here from Paul, which by the way, this whole section is kind of like Proverbs. It's just like it just kind of is like these, these little nuggets of truth that you can break apart as he's kind of getting to the towards the end of his letter, giving them practical instruction. And I love that about Paul because it's not just like we said last week, it's not just high up in the pie in the sky, but it's it's very practical in our daily lives. So it doesn't mean restore relationship with them, it means restore them to God. And those sins. Uh, You probably do, you probably want to, if it is against you, you probably want to bring somebody else into that. And it's interesting because the word restore anyway, I thought this was insightful this week. It doesn't mean when you restore that your, your job is to remove that from them. In fact, the word restore there is the idea of a dislocated bone, which is very interesting. Why would he use that word? Well, I think it's insightful because, the goal of a believer in another believer's life when there's sin is not to say, oh, we've got to pull that thing out of your life, but actually to get it back in line with God's agenda. To take that dislocation and help God, in a sense, be a part of God's work to, to realign it where it's supposed to be. Anybody ever had a dislocated bone? <laughs> it's a painful thing, isn't it? I know one of the ones that happens fairly often, people like walking through their house at night and dislocate a toe, you know, like kicking on something. Some of y'all have those stories because I see your faces, and but a dislocation it hurts. I can remember playing sports; I dislocated fingers a couple times, you know, playing football, and I can remember like that was painful, and kind of having somebody else h- come and help put it back in line. And it was a little bit of a painful process, but then it was like relief. <laughs> I know Claire gets to do that fairly often. I'm sure uh, working with football players at U T, and so. But here's the thing: the reason why I think it's, it's significant is because. Have you noticed that the sins that are in our lives are the overdesire of God's good gifts? So there's a lot of things in our lives that are good that, that we have turned into idols. We begin to worship them too much, and they produce bad fruit. So in a sense, I mentioned earlier, like, you know, we, there, there, it's not rem- removing, like, control, for example. There's a place for that over control is a bad thing right uh sharing sharing about others and bringing people into prayer like there's a place for that but being a gossip in order to tear people down to make yourself feel better that's (laughs) that's not a place for that so we need to locate that back in in a proper place in a healthy place right so we could go on and on and on but but sexuality money relationships those things are good things But if you take them outside of the spirit realm, they become dangerous things. They can become really deadly things, destructive things. And so as a brother and sister in Christ, if you see one of your your other fellow believers struggling in a way and they're caught in sin, they have a repeated behavior that they're probably not aware of, they don't seem to be aware of, then you want to enter into that space by God's grace and you want to do it with gentleness. That's a fruit of the spirit. So we're going to do it gently. The goal is not, man, you are a bad person. I can't believe you're doing this. You know, just come in. Like, if that's, not, that's not what we're called to do is just to hack each other apart, right? Tear each other down. In fact, we know Ephesians 4, this section where he talks about speaking the truth in what? In love. Build each other up into the fullness of Christ. Like, we're, we're called to do that. In fact, he even says in that same Ephesians 4 passage, he says, Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is good for building others up according to their needs, that it benefits those who listen. So what I'm saying, and I'm needing to hear this, is just remember that as you do get involved in it, be very careful not to just go guns blazing like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get this person. I'm going to put them in their place. You know, I don't think most of us are in that place here. But I think there are a few of us in this room, you like it too much, okay? God's saying, whoa, (laughs) easy now, easy now, okay? And again, when we have ourselves in the right place in terms of just receiving from God, when we realize how gentle that Christ has been with us, you know there's only one one real place where Jesus describes himself in the New Testament. Some of you have read the book by Ray Ortland. If you haven't, I highly recommend it. It's called Gentle and Lowly. And it says that, he says, I am gentle and lowly. I love that about Jesus, that he is gentle with us. And so we can be gentle with one another in our sin. All right? And then he says, watch out for yourself so you won't also be tempted. So it is important that as we help other people with their sin, we're not sucked into the same sins or even self-righteousness, condescension, you know, like ideas of, like, I'm helping them and I'm better than them. That's, that's just as sinful as whatever they're struggling with. The second thing, okay, if that's the me- ministry of truth, then let's talk about for a second the ministry of tears. Okay? Or carrying each other's burdens. Some of y'all find yourself much more uh, excited about this one, and others, you again, you run away really fast. Okay, and it is interesting. Uh, this week, I came to my attention that there's a story in the Bible that's pretty fascinating that shows us both sides of this with Jesus. It's the story of Lazarus. Um, Lazarus' story. If you know anything about it, Jesus doesn't come back onto the scene fast enough, according to everybody in the in the, in the story. They think Jesus didn't show up, and so, therefore, Lazarus dies. You guys remember this? And when he does, Martha approaches him, and she says, Jesus, if you had been here, you know, G- he wouldn't have died. I mean, now, now and, and Jesus says something really powerful, but he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He rebukes her. He's like, who, do you know who you're talking to? Like, you're getting on to me for not showing up? I am the resurrection and the life, Martha. Like, that's pretty profound. But here's what's crazy. The next moment... Not much after that, Mary says the exact same thing. She says, Jesus, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. And you know what Jesus said to her? He didn't, he didn't say, I'm the resurrection of life. He said, it says, it's the shortest verse in the entire Bible. It says she, He wept. Jesus wept. W- why? Well, because they needed a different approach. And he knew something we don't know, right? It's like, He was being led by the spirit in that and he rebuked Martha and he just ministered to by just simply crying with Mary. Now, I'm just saying that to you because we as Christ followers, because this is not just a a formula, it's a spiritual way of life. We need to know when do we press in and when do we just kind of like, oh, right, Lord, let's just sit with them. Let's just minister to them. So we get to bear one another's burdens. You're like, we get to? Yes, we get to. We get to bear one another's burdens, okay? It's a blessing. It's a gift. It's part of being a part of the body of Christ. So he says, carry one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. There's three things on this, okay? First off, if you're going to bear, bear someone's burdens, you have to be close enough to bear them. you got to actually sit with them. And can I just tell you that I had to learn some hard lessons. I felt like when people were struggling – when I was early in ministry, it was my job to show up and to preach a good little sermonette to them and make sure that they knew all the truths. Like, and God works together all things for, his, you know, for good, for those who love God. I felt like it was my job to kind of like preach these little sermons to people. And, you know, God just said, Nick, you just need to be quiet. Just quit talking so much and listen. Um, I'm still working on that one. Because sometimes we feel as spiritual leaders we gotta show up on the scene and like be some sort of answer man, Bible answer man. Like, listen, sometimes the best thing we can do is just be with people, be present and listen. Ask good questions and just do what Jesus did. Sometimes we just need to weep with people. I think I think the the ministry of tears and and really carrying burdens again would be so significant in terms of what would would be accomplished in that moment that's far greater than our words. I'm not saying we should never talk, because there's pl- times and places like we get to speak up, but there's a place to just listen. Um, we should listen, and not just listen for anything, but listen to understand where they are. Do You know what? Understand means to stand under, right? To try to get a sense of what are they underneath? What weight are they feeling? What burden are they feeling? You guys know we just recently did a, a memorial service right here in this room for Greg Fosdick, and we were sitting with Tim Brown back here and I were sitting with their family and it's like just trying to listen to them and understand their grief and understand what they were feeling in that moment. When Those, those, are, those are hard moments, right? You need to help try to stand under with them and just get a sense of it and let your heart feel some of the weight of that. It's good. It's hard, but it's good to just demonstrate the incarnation of Jesus who comes near to us in our burdens state, who comes near to us when we're struggling, when we're going through difficulty and trial. So we want to stand under these things. we want to understand with them. and we need to, that means we have to let some of the weight fall on us. And this is where in our culture, our rugged individualism, our way of like, hey look, like we moved to the suburbs to basically live in our house and not and be able to like shut everybody else out around us. Christ's followers, we can't be that way. Christ has called us into our community, into relationships with other people. And in the church, we can't just be these, again, isolated human, you know, beings that are in and out but we're not engaged with anybody we need to ask Jesus to give us a heart to love those around us to serve isn't it crazy how you can be going through something so incredibly difficult so hard and you sit down with another believer and they just take time to listen and they take time to feel some of the weight that you're feeling and they say something like I am so sorry that you're going through that and how there's something that just lifts off of you Isn't it profound? Because we were created for community, and we were created to help be healing agents in each other's lives. And some of us um, are missing out on those opportunities. What a gift. It's crazy how much better I can feel when I just know that someone is listening, and they they say, I understand. But you have to get close, and you have to to be willing to carry some of that weight. In fact, one of the beautiful things I've seen in this body, just want to speak it out. Praise God for it. I've seen people go through some financial hardships and feel like I can't pay the bills. I don't know what's going to happen. We lost my job. we got some illness. And I've seen people rally around them and say, we got you. We got you. That's bearing one another's burdens. Like that's countercultural. The culture says, hey, that's their fault. That's their problem. That's their issue. I got to take care of me and mine. Christ says, no, we're called into each other's lives to care for each other. And again, s- sometimes it's taking care of kids, serving. I've seen. I'm just going to name some of the things I've seen in this body. Sometimes it's showing up with meals when people are just at the, the end. I know, um, I know, Russell and Kristen over here. They just had a baby, beautiful little Canaan back there in the in the wrap, and people have been showing up, fe- feeding them meals, and just sitting with them, and like praise God for that. That's bearing one another's burdens. It's not that a baby's a burden, but the, the tiredness sure is, right? And all you feel in that process. Praise God, we got community to work through these things. And when we do lose jobs, when we do get sick, when when hardships in life happen, we get to show up and and carry some of that burden for one another. This has been so beautiful for Jada and I through the years of ministry to have people come alongside of us when we were aching and we didn't have answers to some of the the struggles that were going on with our kids' health or things of just difficulty in ministry. and People just saying, hey, like, we're here. How can we pray for you? It's an amazing gift to have the body of Christ minister to you in those moments. But I want to say something, and this is kind of as we close up, okay? This is a little bit of an encouragement, but it starts with a caution. We are called to love people like Jesus, but we are not called to be Jesus. Let me say that again, because some of you in this room might misunderstand. We are called to bring truth, and we all are called to bear burdens, but we are not called to be Jesus, I remember for a long time people would say things like, um, you know, I just want to be Jesus to my neighbors. Well, good luck with that. (laughs) Because you're not going to be able to be. (laughs) Because you're not Jesus. But what does that mean? We can demonstrate tangibly the love of Jesus. We can demonstrate. We can can reflect him, right? We can follow him. Did you see what he said here? He said, carry one of those burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. What that means is that, While we're not called to be people's messiahs, we are called to demonstrate God's love. The law of Christ means we model our whole life on the example of Christ. We're motivated by grateful joy for what Christ has done for us. It's a response. It's a life centered on a person rather than a code of ethics. It's not a formula. It's a response to Jesus. Are you you with me? One of the reasons why it's so fun to be a part of it is because we're getting to. To respond to what God has done for us. So we bear one another's burdens and we, and we do this by following in the footsteps of Christ who bore our burdens. Now, for some of us in this room, and I just want you to hear my heart here. For some of us in this room, we are trying to help others and we are trying to bear burdens to prove ourselves to God and to prove ourselves worthy of his love. And today, my encouragement, my challenge to you is today is the day to stop, okay, to release that. Today is the day where you can stop trying to earn God's love through meeting other people's needs. You can see it because you watch people, they just wear out. They're just overwhelmed, and and they get to the point, they're just, just so distraught, like, I can't keep up. Listen, again, God didn't call us to be a messiah to people and to be able to fit, meet all their needs. Collectively as a community, we can do so much more, right, to minister. But we have limitations. We have ways that we are still working through our, our own struggles and our own difficulties and our own burdens. He even says there, he says something very interesting in that passage, if you notice. He says, for each person will have to carry his own load. Why would would he say carry each other's burdens, but then you have to carry your own load? How are you supposed to do both of those things? Interestingly, he uses a different word for carry your own load as he does burdens. In the load, he actually, it's kind of the idea of a backpack. And you kind of have to assess, like, what are your gifts? What are your skills? What are your capacities? What are your calling? And God, how do you want to use those things? Does that make sense? You have to assess. So there's some things that you probably shouldn't get involved in. But then there's other places where God's saying, I've equipped you for this. Isn't it interesting that your misery becomes your ministry so many times? Isn't it crazy how God uses your pain and your mess to actually become the thing he uses you in other people's lives to help them with and serve them with? I've watched that in this body. I've watched people struggle through something. It was really, really difficult. And then I've seen them, God carry them through it. And then, you know, a little way down the road, guess what? They're out ministering to people who are in the same situation. Because that's how beautiful God's redemptive work is. He can actually take these terrible things and make beautiful things, difficulties, and actually use us. So we assess that, but I want to I land it here. There is one burden. This is, this is John Stott. If you don't know who John Stott is, go read The Cross of Christ, okay? Great great book. It says, there is one burden that we cannot share, and that is our responsibility to God on the day of judgment. On that day, you cannot carry my pack, and I cannot carry yours. What frees us from trying to feel like we have to be the Messiah for everyone else is to recognize that Jesus has met our ultimate burden. He's taking care of it. He's released us. He's freed us up. So what's beautiful in that, Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is near the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. And when I try to carry everybody's burdens, I feel crushed. I feel crushed just trying to manage my own home. We, we laugh because we have six kids, and I've always said to people, listen, more kids means more sin. Right? More sin in our home, more struggles, more challenges, more flesh, right? But it's also more blessings as I release it to the Lord, as I work through that, as I, as I let him be the Savior, and I just get to be a part of the journey. I get to be a child of God. doesn't mean I don't feel the weight or the burden of leadership, but I don't carry it alone. I'm not capable. In Isaiah 53, 53 5, listen to this. But he was pierced because of our transgressions. He was crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. He was crushed so that we will not be. He was crushed so that we actually could be released from the crushing weight of this world. Praise God for that. Like, that's why I want to minister to you guys. That's why I want to love you all. I don't need you to come and tell me I did a good sermon. I don't need you to come and tell me I'm doing a great job ministering. Feel free to do that. But... What I'm saying is, I don't need that because Christ is sufficient, and I want to minister because he's awesome. He has relieved my greatest burden. He has set me free. He has redeemed me from the pit. And now I get to love people with the kind of love, not perfectly, but I'm growing in loving people with the love that he has demonstrated toward me. So, church family, let us grow up. Let us not be conceited, provoking, and envying, but let us serve one another. Let us speak truth in love, and let us bear one another's burdens. And that will be a contrast to the world. You guys probably know Dietrich Bonhoeffer. have heard his name before. Kind of a fun name to say. But he was, you know, part of being around in Germany whenever um, the concentration camps were there. In fact, he actually died there. And... One of the things that I loved about Dietrich, he talks so much about Christian community and how much we need it. And I think the thing that really stirred me as I listened to a guy who went through the kind of suffering that he did was how much he knew that community was this moment, this, this place where the Christian faith was made known and visible to the world around it. And this, this, that, that there is really no greater apologetic for the Christian faith than the way we love and serve one another. That we have the ability to speak truth into each other's lives, not out of judgment and condemnation, but out of grace, with gentleness. We get to model that for the world. That we get to carry each other's burdens, not out of obligation and like, oh man, I probably should be doing that. But because we genuinely love each other, because we've been demonstrated God's love to us through Christ so let's stop and pray into that today and ask God to grow us in these ways. And what a beautiful gift it is. Father, I just thank you that we are your people saved by your power for your purpose. That's the church. And God, as, as simple as that sounds, like that is a powerful reminder. Like We are not just a gathering on Sunday. We're not just a a building to come to once a week for 90 minutes to two hours or whatever it is. God, we're not just even a, a life group to attend. We are a community. We're a family. And we have this incredible privilege of getting to invest in each other's lives. And God, I thank you that we don't have to be Jesus to one another. But as we live out those 59 one another's that are in scripture, we ultimately receive from you so that we can give and we take assessment of our gifts and calling and capacities and we understand we're limited but we aren't we aren't serving one another to prove that we are worthy of your love and acceptance we're not saving ourselves by carrying each other's burdens or even speaking truth god we are we are rescued and we are redeemed sinners by your grace and we are getting to join you in your work in each other's lives so i thank you for that today I thank you that Jesus, you were pierced and you were crushed because of our sin. And you did it willingly so that we could be healed. And so that we could be free. So, Father, just minister by your spirit in this space. We praise in your name. Amen.